Hey there, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, depending on when you're watching this video. Uh, it's being recorded, by the way, just for information, on the 13th of October 2022 at 12.55pm uh, United Kingdom time. Now, I was hoping um, around an hour ago at 12 o'clock UK time, which is 1pm Sweden time, to have been interviewing Frederick um, Preshkru, P-R-A-E-S-T-O, and also Ulf Sandström, two of the authors of this book, Unpack Your Existence, A Hypnotic Exploration. Now, it's been arranged for weeks. Unfortunately, they don't appear to have shown up now. If they show up in the next five minutes or so while I'm on this, because this is the Zoom link I'm recording it on, then maybe they got the time mixed up and got it as one o'clock Sweden time in their heads rather than what is in black and white, I've checked, 12 p.m. UK time, which is 1 p.m. Uh, Sweden time. Now, I'm going, uh, I, hope, I hope they're um, okay, obviously. We will find, but I'm going to crack on with a review. Now, here's the book, okay? Before I get to this book and its contents, I just want to give you a little bit of background because I can't obviously ask... Um, the two authors. So I'm going to read you their Amazon um, author page, basically. Um, so you've got a bit of information about them. Firstly, uh, Frederick Prestro, P-R-A-E-S-T-O. Prestro? Prestro? One of those. Um, anyway, Frederick is a hypnotist, NLP trainer, licensed mental trainer, leaving a career as an engineer, Frederick started working as a stage hypnotist. After a few years, he moved forward to coaching clients with a combination of hypnosis, NLP and mental training. He's coached thousands of people, usually with full results after only one session. Frederick is a certified NLP trainer for the Society of NLP, that's Richard Bandler's uh, group, licensed mental trainer, Scandinavian International University, author and co-author of several books, including newly released Hypnothinking, co-authored with uh, Igor Adaris. He's also co-founder of International Hypnotist Guild and Service of Placebo, which sounds interesting because the placebo is mentioned there. And of course, he is one of the authors of this Unpack Your Existence, a hypnotic exploration that we're doing the review about um, very shortly. Um, and I'm just looking also at his uh, Wikipedia page. And yeah, we've already mentioned that he is um, an, a Bandler Society of NLP approved trainer. So that's one of the authors of this book. Another author is Don T. Bidu, or Bidu, um, who I've searched for and he. he just got a website, behaviourdesign.org, Institute of Behaviour Design. I can't really find a great deal of information on him. And then, of course, we've got Ulf Sandstrom, uh, or Sandstrom, uh, whose Amazon page says, Ulf Sandstrom is a Swedish trauma facilitator working to ease suffering and prevent violence by spreading methods for trauma, um, relief and resilience to stress, together with Gunilla Hamni, he is a co-founder of the Peaceful Heart Network, a non-profit active in over 30 countries in areas where conflict and natural disasters have left people vulnerable and hypervigilant. 
They've received the ACEP Humanitarian Award for their work, developed the trauma tapping technique, conducted studies on the effects of it on children liberated from armed forces in um, DR Congo, and developed free tools like the app Self Help for Trauma for iOS and Android in 27 languages. Ulf works with individuals and teams looking to regain control of life and develop organic self-leadership skills, combining trauma tapping with havening techniques, neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, clean language and mental training. The Peaceful Heart Network offers free training materials, trainings and support for community actions in resolving trauma. Reach out if you have questions. He and Granilla will answer in a day or two. Wow. Clearly has positive intentions. Whoa. And amazingly, I'm glad to state um, that just joined me. So the props was a, a confusion on whether it was 12 o'clock uh, or one o'clock um, Swedish time. I will introduce on screen who's just appeared. Ulf Sandstrom to you in a moment. This is an exciting development. So excellent. Just let me also mention that um, on ulfsandstrom.com, um, it also has details of uh, his background and training, namely being a havening techniques trainer, trauma tapping techniques trainer, hypnobirthing trainer, NLP practitioner, master trainer, hypnosis. You name it, I could go on and on and on. Uh, convenient timing that he's uh, shown up on screen as I've just been giving his background. So I'm going to welcome, hooray, to uh, Hypnosis Week, as this now becomes not just a book review, as I thought it was going to be to because um, of the time confusion, but please welcome, as you can see to the side of me, one of the authors of this book, Unpack Your Existence, Mr. Ulf Sandstrom, all the way from Sweden. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, and thank you. And uh, uh, did we get the time right, or did I get the time wrong? Well, I, I, I checked the messages, and um, it said 12 oh, We're good now. <laughs> which would be 1 o'clock your time, um, but now we're on one o'clock UK time, which I'm guessing is two o'clock your time. Ah, these time zones, they bugger me. They they confuse me. I get I get mesmerized by time differences. But it's excellent because you're here. However, I, I was thinking, oh, this is just going to end up being a book review without you here, without a right to reply until a later stage. Have you been going on for a full hour without me? No, no. I start I started literally five minutes ago. Oh, I thought, I thought um, so it's worked wonderfully. It's served as an intro and viewers and listeners will see it as that. Because I'm not going to edit anything out. I never do from these things because that way no one can then ever accuse me or you of or, having or said things out of context or anything. So it's, it's these things are always raw. And with that in mind, before I ask you the obvious, well, no, I'll ask you the first question, which is quite obviously. I'm, I'm switching to computer here, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, the first question about this is obviously going to be, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. I've, I've told people of what it says on your website and what it says on um, Amazon. Hopefully, in a moment, we'll get you back on screen. Oh, wow, that's nice and bright. Excellent. I heard you all the time. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so I've given them a bit of background, the qualifications you've got, background, what it says on your Amazon I heard that. page. I heard that, yeah. um, but there was a time when you weren't those things, when you hadn't done those courses, when you weren't treating people, when you weren't doing all this stuff. What what led you into the path of 
doing all that stuff and then we'll get onto the book later what what brought you to where you are <clears throat> yeah well okay so to to cut this all i mean i'll try to make a compressed view of it but i mean it's life is not so easy it's not black and white it's mm. not cause and correlation always uh but i grew up uh in seven different countries because my dad was yeah. in the foreign service so in each country, there was a new language, a new culture, new politics, new things to not do and do and, and how to fit in. And so kind of like a kid, you had to reinvent yourself and test the waters. So I became very conscious of people and unwritten rules and, and subjective experience and psychology and all that, you know, just trying to figure out what is it that makes people tick in this place. So I found hypnosis always to be something that fascinated me. In the comic books, we didn't have many because we lived for some time in Hungary during the Soviet rule and Spain during right. military regime of Franco. It was it's like you didn't have lots of stuff. But when you did get your hands on a magazine, there was this comic called Mandrake. He would make a hypnotic gesture. And I, I just, I like that. And the wore a, cool- wore a top hat, didn't he? Yeah, wore a top hat. He yeah. was elegant, kind of a gentleman. And yeah. that was the same time as Simon Templer, the saint, and, you know, the early James Bonds and stuff. And Tarzan, I kind of like... You know, for me, it was he was doing something elegant with intelligence and he could resolve conflicts and help people therapeutically and, and sometimes uh, evade violence. But it was all just in the mind of people. And that was that was like, wow, I like that. So, um, well, that that sparked an early interest for for this. So at the time, um, when I came to Sweden, when I came home to Sweden for the first time, um, I, I did gym. I did what I had a degree in construction engineering because I had to have some kind of degree, but I was a musician. So I've been making a living as a musician since I was 15, you know, most of my grown life. Cool. 4,000 gigs, maybe, or maybe more, maybe five, I don't know, uh, all around the world. And when you're trying to mesmerize an audience, what you say makes a difference. And so I started talking a lot between songs and concerts and trying to create this mood. And it was like, you know, self-learned hypno hypnotic grammar in some way. But I, I still hadn't taken any training in it. Mm -hmm. But I was so fascinated by it. And then, then when the opportunity came to me, because I was in a bar with Frederick, who is supposed to be here, but he couldn't make it. Uh, so I, I meet him and we're celebrating a mutual friend's uh, christening of his son. And he says, this is Frederick. He's a hypnotist. And I'm like, a what? And my mind is going, Mandrake, what's going on? MK Ultra, CIA, what, what, what's this? And, you know, yeah, I'm Frederick. He's a humble guy. He goes, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's useful. You can do stage shows and you can get rid of phobias. Phobias. Wow, wait a minute. Let me call my wife. So I call my wife. And at, the, at that time, the movie Jaws. Doo, doo, okay. doo, 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 doo. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. very popular. So... She had, well, long story short, my wife had a shark phobia and it wasn't really reasonable. She could, you know, she could get it in a bathtub. Um, so, <laughs> having seen the James Bond movie where the shark comes up at the bottom of the pool. So I, I asked, you know, wait a minute, darling, you know, there's this guy here. He claims he can cure phobias with hypnosis. Uh, how, how long do you need? And I'm waiting for him to say like, well, it's 10 sessions or something like that. And he goes, 20 minutes. I'm like, no. <laughs> and so I tell, darling, it's 20 minutes. Can you handle it? And she says, sure. <laughs> and so she does this and comes back without the phobia. And we're both fascinated. It's like, wow, this is cool. I have to learn this. 
Excellent. So that was my, that's how I got mm, hijacked into hypnosis. We will ultimately, because I, I started off even before you arrived talking about this. We're going to, we will get to the book, but there's a couple of things I want to throw at you because you've obviously mentioned coming from a musical background. Now, yeah. I have spoke to a number of people who are hypnotists, whether that be therapeutically or, or stage wise who are also maybe not to the same degree that you know number of gigs you've done uh, and level of expertise of your good self but are musicians to some degree and most of them not all so it's fine I'm sure there's going to be times we, we we disagree during the next sixty minutes, but that, that that's good. That leaves. Do we have to? Listeners. Well, we don't have to, <laughs> but I just suspect it's. I think Laura Vavage said we no, some likely will agree on everything. Um, but what's your view on the fact that hypno music? I mean, everyone generally accepts that music can you know end up with emotional connections uh, or anchors some people might say and bring back memories when you hear certain pieces of music but the other thing is music and melodies have different rhythms and paces and uh, and stuff which is very akin to um the different ways in which we, we, we can deliver a induction process for, for example exactly um exactly. I, I would argue that as a musician coming to the table to learn hypnosis, you actually had an advantage over people who don't have a musical background. Yeah. Well, you have, I mean, if you come from any kind of um, skill that involves flow and trance, which music does, it's, it's, you do it in trance. You, you need to go into that non-critical, your critical faculty has to step aside and you need to have trained a skill that you can do uh, sensing changes with other musicians to to make to make it organic. It can't be intellectual, right? It ha intellect has to step aside. So you're performing music in a trance state. So you're you're familiar with trance. Or you're familiar with critical faculty stepping aside, and you're familiar with connecting to other people uh, and their consciousness and sensing where they are without necessarily going through the verbal part of the brain. So enormous advantage. And I would argue that you would have that advantage if maybe you played a, a, in a sports team sport of some kind. You yeah, would have that advantage. Being in the zone. Being in yeah. the zone, uh, being in flow, being in trance, uh, performing a skill with a very narrow focus where everything else is is just stepping aside. And, and good music happens when you do that. So I would say music is a trance. I mean, performing music is done in trance. And same with dance. It's, I mean... That's what rave is about, you know. That's mm -hmm. it's a cool state of mind where you can let go of everything and you know spend time and and uh, notions and yeah, definitely an advantage. This is going to be a bit haphazard on not on purpose. It's just because I I, I never pre-plan these interviews as such. It just stuff sits in my head. And it comes out at the time that it, it feels right. So I'm going to throw what I'm going to go straight to the book here. And I'm going to throw in a question that could sound critical, but it isn't. I, I'm going to give my one sentence review of this book okay. up front. And the one sentence review is, 
It's only £12 United Kingdom sterling on Amazon, for Christ's sake. Uh, buy it. Whatever I say over the next 60 minutes doesn't matter. Whether you agree with me or not, irrelevant, uh, viewers and listeners, just at 12 quid, especially if you're a hypnotherapist or hypnotist where this is a tax-deductible business expense for you, it'd be silly not to buy a copy. So with that said, because... The odd thing might sound critical, uh, but I'm making it clear. Buy a copy because I, I got a damn sight more than 12 quid's worth of value out of the book. Okay. Um, However, I, I am, I am, I've, this is one of the first books where I've got so much, I'm very conflicted over it. Having read it twice. I, that makes me very happy. I suspected you might say something like that because the first time I read it, I honestly ended up finishing it and thinking, do you know, there were some parts of that that were a fucking great book, and then there's some bits that I'm just like, what the frigging hell's going on here? Exactly. And I left it, and I left it a few days and read something else that I was reading, and I went back and read it again from cover to cover. And I'll be honest with you, I still ended up with the same conclusion. However... Also, with the view that that had been done on purpose, I mm -hmm. suspect. In which case, then I came to the conclusion that this book, I mean, obviously, there's three, there's three contributing authors people can see on screen. And I mentioned everyone before and gave you backgrounds. Um, so there is going to be differing styles and differing thoughts. But this is kind of. And I mean this as positively as it is, is, is going to sound critical. It's like this book couldn't decide whether it's a book on philosophy and philosophical viewpoints on life, or whether it's a self-help book, or whether it's a book of observations of things that worked with therapy clients or therefore might be useful for hypnotherapists to use with their clients. It's like it's various, like it should have been various different books, but yet, whilst creating confusion and disorientation, which in itself, I always say, are two of the keys to causing critical, critical faculty bypass anyway. So therefore, was it done purposely to put you in certain state to take things on board, which is where I'm going to, ask you to expand on reading it the second time it felt like it had been done on purpose what's the truth what what well, was your intention first first of all uh, a book that is philosophical for me a book that is therapeutical a book in self-help uh I don't see a difference in those. I think those three things belonging together. That's why I read Plato. That's why I read Letters from Seneca. That's why I would read Epictetus or Aristotle. It's mm -hmm. because it's timeless writing and philosophy is there to guide us. Philosophy is there to show us how to think in morals and values and what is just and not just and how should I relate to the world and what's sustainable. So I would say a therapeutical book that isn't philosophical for me wouldn't be therapeutical. It would just look at, you know, the, like the whatever is going on right now and change a mechanism like you're training a dog to do a different thing uh, without having to understand it. So for me, 
a good therapeutical book is philosophical. So we started writing this Bible, which was called Personality Engineering, where we went down and did that self-help book for therapists and the nerds and interested that goes into the nitty gritty of every single neurobiological reason why the brain will allow you to do this and not that. And when this word will change that. And then we said, you know, this is going to be really interesting for very few people. What if we take the actual matter of it? What is it that people need to open their minds to, to be able to grasp more of their reality than they're doing before they read this. Well, then we need to write it poetically and hypnotically, like the poems of Rumi. So Rumi was a, a an, uh, you know, if you want to have a mentor or guide or, or whatever, idol aspiring to. So it's every single hypnotic chapter is written uh, on purpose to open your mind to wherever you didn't go before. Now, then we have to be purposely vague, but we also have to be very specific. We have to be ex extremely intentional with every single word in the hypnotic grammar of that part. And when we sent it to our editor who was doing the English language check on it, Nina Shorplova, she was like, there are so many things that are strange in your language. We're going to have to correct a lot. And we had to explain to her what is hypnotic grammar compared to normal grammar. Yeah. And why the words and the sentences are sometimes using a place like you're going to this words are meant to have a meaning is something that we create intentionally. We can do things, but then on the other hand, we can choose not to. So that's an example of hypnotic grammar. I switched that sentence three times. Uh, the turning point were different words that could start a new sentence in the middle of another one. So that's how the book is written intentionally. Then when it came to the self-help techniques, you know, we have NLP, clean language, we have uh, sports psychology. We're both trained in, in positive psychology for sports and mental training at the university. And those things, they become so intellectual. And when you approach it with your intellect, you're in your intellect. And that's not where it happens. It happens outside. So we did each chapter, the 34 chapters and the 80, 84 techniques. They're all put together so that you can try them and explore them. Now, we know that everybody doesn't do that. I'm sure you didn't explore all the techniques. Um, so you've read it and your mind goes, I understand what they mean by that exercise. But you're not, if you don't do the exercise, you don't understand what we mean with it. You only understand it intellectually. Now, we did a meditation group where we had uh, over 25 people during a year doing one of these hypnotic chapters a week. And then the explorations, the actual techniques, self-help techniques, they did those between the weeks and reported in a WhatsApp group. And they had major revelations. It was life-changing for them because writing something that takes five years to write, if, if, if you read it fast, it's going to be an, kind of an overload. It's like eating a meal that was cooked for 10 days in, in 10 minutes. So yes, definitely intentional. And I think... Those who have read it and landed in it, they say they go back to it over and over and they read a chapter. And every time they read a chapter, they find something different. And it sometimes it pleases them and sometimes it irritates them because we're on purpose pushing your mind to where it hasn't been. And that's that feeling of, what is this? So so if if that day in that given moment you're, happy to find something new you'll be like you'll put on your curious hat and go wow shit that's irritating i wonder why 
And another day you'll go, I wonder why they did this. And another day you'll go, hmm, some of that was really good, but you're maybe not sure exactly what. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Keep opening your mind, whether you read it a thousand times today or a well, thousand years from now. Well, it succeeded then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm slightly scared, although I would have stood by everything I said. If you just suddenly turn around and go, no, that's definitely not what we intended. Um, thank God for that. Because that is that that's what it did. Um, certainly from my from my perspective, anyway. Did you read the foreword? I've read, I've read all I've read all of this. Yeah. Quite the the, the 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 and I totally agree with everything you said. The one the one element that I mean, this won't occur to a member of the general public who hasn't got a background in hypnotherapy. If you, if you happen to have come across this on the video platform or the audio podcast channels and you're listening to it out of interest, then don't get overly caught up in some of the stuff that I'm going to ask um, question the wise tool shortly. Because as a member of the general public, shall we say, who's not a hypnotherapist, just get it and it's going to help you if, if you use it the way it's intended. As a hypnotherapist, law, I have to ask some other stuff because obviously it's kind of impossible as much as trying to push aside my own experiences when reading something. Like it a lump it, they are going to get involved at, at some point. And my big, my own, my big issue, and I will say up front um that ultimately it doesn't matter why something works as long as it does because if it helps somebody it helps them simple as that so with, with that caveat in mind is the fact that i was going through and there's different exercises and techniques um taught and i just flicked past it and i did have a I must have lost the piece of paper where I had it in the page earlier so that I could open it and show it on screen. So, yeah. So, for example, we've got a section where um, we can get it so that it's not reflecting the white on the lights too much. There we go. Uh, trauma tapping technique, pages 174, oh, sorry, 175. Mm -hmm. okay. So tapping, meridian tapping technique. Um, now... In my, over the past 33 years, I've extensively tested on clients in the real world with everything you can think of, whether it's PTSD, phobia, it don't matter. You name it from A through to Z, done it. And it doesn't bloody matter where you tap, in the slightest. It's just an important seeming ritualistic process and a placebo trigger. There is I, would, I, I, I would do a I would do a pause there. Uh, mm. I would say, um, does it matter where you tap? Answer is no, not according to the study of Harper et al. called Taming the Amygdala 2012. They've proven in that study that it doesn't matter. It's about tapping over the waistline on points that matter to the brain. Is it placebo? No. There are 135, 55 studies and ma magnetic scans from Dr. Peter Stapleton that shows that it's definitely not placebo. It's changing the brain and the epigenetics. Well, there isn't, is there? Because those studies actually um, only show an area of the brain as getting activated, which is the same area of the brain that gets activated with pretty much any other important seeming ritualistic process, whether it's looking at a pen or a light or a finger being waggled around, or whether it's um, being told to go through um, uh, pressing your finger and thumb together and what NLP will call 
stacking anchors. Uh, the actual key is that people are focused on doing in some form of important seeming ritualistic process, which has they're reacting to suggestion ultimately. I, that I is would, the area that gets triggered. Yeah, I I, I would say um, we could talk a lot about that. We do work with with scientists on this and we do, we do we are involved in research and we've done studies and they're published so i do have quite an in-depth understanding of what goes on with the potentiation and uh memory reconsolidation and it's it it does not matter i'll say my bottom line is yeah you're right it doesn't matter where you tap the the thing is that you need to distract the brain and send calming signals to parts of it during a window of opportunity which opens when something is triggered so you have this 10 minute window of depotentiation during which you need 5 minutes of calming the system down and distracting the brain from going back into that place and so that you can discharge those synapses now there's plenty of signs on depotentiation and memory reconsolidation that is not something that is placebo uh Placebo would be something different. Well, actually, That's... there is an argument that an element oh, well, of it is just... placebo. Absolutely. And an element of everything is placebo. Mm. But the actual synapse depotentiation, whether it's caused by placebo or not, is actually, it's not just a thought. It's a neurobiological change that happens that's measurable before and oh, after. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the end result, without a doubt. But, I mean, then we can get into the realms of um, Bruce Lipton and biology of belief and epigenetics. I, 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 would, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there or compare that in, in this case. But let me just say that uh, we've been using this for um, 12 years and we work with gender based violence. We work with war and conflict survivors. We work with inmates in Rwanda and 14 prisons. We work with liberated child soldiers in Congo and we work with orphan genocide survivors in Rwanda. So we've had four years trauma centers in Congo with 3600 cases reported an 81 percent symptom reduction. So the, well, I know the... you've got. I mean, I mentioned before you even appeared, which you'll see on the replay, that you've done some amazing work with charities and organisations and get amazing results. That the results are not in question. The only thing I, like I said, placebo is not in question. How you get a result does it? As long as the person's getting a result and an improvement. But from a, 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 an intellectual point of view, for hypnosis week, I always bring up whoever I'm interviewing. For example. Um, Stephen Travers, who is the European uh, head of Havening Techniques, mm -hmm. which, again, Havening's mentioned, um, it's because it's white pages, but it, 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 there we go. Yeah. It's mentioned in the book on page 132133. Um, and I bought these similar questions to him, and people can see what Stephen had to say about it in reference to Havening on hypnosisweek.com. And we ended up having to agree to differ because he is adamant that, you know, that giving yourself the nice warm hug is doing more than just helping you release oxytocin, which has uh, obviously yeah. got a, which he does. It does release oxytocin, uh, which in itself has got an anchored positive physiological response that's genuine. But that anchored physiological response that's genuine that's there, which makes the person therefore genuinely feel good because of said oxytocin release, uh, acts as a, a massive physical, physiological suggestion that amplifies anything else you're saying that you're delivering to them with intent so that they come to believe that X, Y, Z that you say is going to happen will happen. Can I just ask you something? Yeah. So 
I, I, there are 155 studies just on tapping alone and explanation models. There are maybe six different ones. And I'm not and buying there's into... millions of studies on placebo, I, including I know, but thousands let, I know, of but them that prove that yeah. tapping and hugging yeah, is yes, nonsense. But, yeah. OK, so let's say it's nonsense then uh, for works, some people. But it works uh, because of the intent I, that you're I, delivering can, can it. I, I know I'm not even I'm not even trying to disagree here. I'm just trying to finish the sentence. Okay. So what I'm Sorry. saying is <laughs> what I'm saying no. is that, like you said, it's irrelevant what the mechanism is if it works. Mm -hmm. The reason you need a systematic model of anything regardless. Now, I happen to know there is proof scientifically that is not just placebo and nothing is not placebo at all. So that's not the point. So I don't know if your point is to disprove the science that is there or to claim that the placebo is more important. And it doesn't matter to me because... I have 12 years of experience knowing that it works and that it can be taught to people because it is a ritual. What I'm, it... what I'm stating categorically and clearly is that any process, whether you are waggling a finger, a light or whatever, EMDR type things, giving yourself a nice warm hug, evening, for example, or other names are coming out now because people are in Havening is, is, is not a hug. Just, just Yeah, saying. I know. There's other bits, but... <laughs> One of the keys is the self-care thing is the rub. Uh, believe me, it's the biggest one that Paul McKenna focuses on. When I know, but I'm a havening stuff. trainer, and that's not mm. the way I teach it, and that's the way that's not the way I explain it. So I mean, everybody can have their mm. explanations and buy tap in whatever, but it doesn't matter what it is. Or a close your eyes and let's do a formal hypnotic induction. When yeah. those processes work for the client, yes. when they work. 99.9% .9 recurring of the reason why it works is that the placebo uh, effect has been triggered leading to the placebo response. And the way of getting there has been through an important seeming ritualistic process delivered by a practitioner, de delivering it with confidence and conviction that the client picks up on and thinks, well, this person knows what they're doing. This must. This is going to that work. That number, ninety nine point one. I envy you because I, I've talked to so many scientists and people doing research for many, many years on this with magnetic scans and measuring brain, and they would never, with that certainty that you have, mention that number in that way. So I envy your background and and you know whatever it is that leads you to be so sure of that because I'm not. I'm saying you know you could be right, but you could be completely, totally wrong as well because I've not seen any sure evidence that that would be the case. I've seen lots of evidence for different things, but I would never, with a scientific mindset, go in and state that that is the way it is. That would be extremely unscientific for me because science is what it is. It's proven some things. Well, that's why I don't say it's 100% because I'm still entertaining the possibility that when I'm actually presented with evidence that can't actually be shown to be largely dependent upon verbal, nonverbal or environmental, situational, or contextual uh, suggestion. Would you call this a bogus book? The Science of Tapping by Dr. Peter Stapleton, with all the studies? It but doesn't really say that... Studies, but the studies themselves are fundamentally flawed. The the vast... Pretty much all, all the studies all out there... All 155 of them? Yeah, they're fundamentally flawed okay. by one key thing. You cannot conduct a legal, ethical, clinical study or medical study into anything, forget whether it's it not, without being present elements of verbal, 
Well, yeah, you could say don't speak. You remove that. But you're still going to leave non-verbal, environmental, or contextual, or an element of all, suggestion in place. And the fact that for it to be an ethical and legal study means that the people know they're participating in something, whilst in certain studies they lie about that, in order that it's not the fact that they know they're taking place in something creates an expectancy, an enhanced expectancy. And so suggestion and placebo I, I cannot be ruled you. out. I am with you on this and I didn't rule them out. So people say the same thing about hypnosis. It's all placebo and it's just it mishmash and, and doesn't exist. Correct. And for some and for some people it does. So I, but I don't what I don't get here is what is the point of that? Because I would say that no scientific study is really scientific when it comes to mental health, because you can't put people in a Petri jar. You can't control their environment outside the study. You can't prove it was this or that. You can't say it was only this. You can't really say with any certainty that it is just placebo or not placebo. So I would, you know, my point would be maybe maybe I feel it's a slightly more unsure one than yours. Uh, I would humbly say I have no idea. I would never claim that something is or isn't and claim that this is proven and that isn't proven because science only proves what it proves up to now. So I don't really see the point in debating that. The point would be, what, you know, is it well, useful and, and for whom does it work and why here, does it work? The interesting, because yeah. that's where part, there are plenty of sections where, albeit some might say that's where there's philosophical quotes or metaphors, Mm -hmm. that point to the very real truth that, and I'm going to give it this 99.9% .9 again figure, we can agree to disagree possibly, but that you might even say it's higher, you know, some would argue it's 100% of all um, healing or change that takes place is ultimately down to the individual themselves. And that is alluded to in here as well which is kind of, it's the polar opposite, some might say, from the viewpoint of um, you need X, Y, Z technique that's apparently had, let's say it has, scientific proof behind it in order to get to the end result of whatever it is. Because if that was the case, then all healing wouldn't be ultimately self-healing and the person wouldn't already have the resources within themselves i'm getting lost a little bit by by your train of thought because i'm not sure what it is you're you want to prove or disprove uh we have we have put in the book the techniques that work for us in practice it says in the beginning of the book anything that worked for our clients is in this book mm -hmm. we're not saying that we did research on every single technique and there's a science to prove it uh, you asked me about the science for tapping and you claimed it was 99.1 placebo and i'm saying i wouldn't go there uh that's not the numbers i have uh, but fine i mean if, if that's if that's the truth for you and that's how you will use it that's fine but i don't see how that, that's relevant for whether it's in the book or not, or I don't see if it's relevant. To members if... of the public who are going to read this, it's completely not relevant. Um, because ultimately, get this book, I've already said, it's the bloody bargain at £12 United Kingdom sterling. And you are guaranteed to find stuff that will make it worth many times the small small investment. From a, from a sort of academic, intellectual... It, I don't even want to say hypnotherapy, hypnosis point of view, because hypnosis doesn't exist 
it only exists in the mind of the believer. All of its suggestion, all of its placebo is certainly my standpoint and the weight of evidence out there backs that up. Um, I don't know. When you just, say that... Just evidence... as before, we said that this is a mixture of stuff that in itself had that purposeful con confusion. Was part of that... Per yeah, this is probably the way to phrase it. Was mm. part of that purposeful confusion to have what some may, I'll say, perceive, not necessarily believe, but could be believe as well, to be conflicting standpoints, viewpoints. So, you know, conflicting you're saying all the what? weight of evidence, you're saying there's all these studies out there that say tapping works for something other than placebo, okay? I'm saying, obviously, yeah. no, it's just placebo. Well, that's a conflict. In here, the stuff that says... That, that's not a conflict. Well, I don't see the conflict. Okay. There's there's placebo in everything, so obviously there's placebo in tapping as well. Tapping works. I I mean we have you know a couple of thousand cases where we know it works. Yeah, but I'm not saying that was placebo in tapping. I'm saying that placebo no, but wait. is tapping. Yeah, it, but I mean you can't prove placebo. that. You you can't prove a negative with science. So you can't prove well, I that. Can. There's nothing... You can bring me any client you want with any issue that you would say the to get the result is X Y Z, and you've got anecdotal. to tap in certain places. And now. That's at... And I'll get that's, the same result as I've consistently demonstrated for years. That's a misunderstanding of science. I'm sorry. Just that you can get the same result in a different way doesn't prove that placebo is the only thing in tapping. And it doesn't prove that placebo isn't what you're doing too or either. It doesn't prove anything. All you're doing is, I mean, you have an argument no, that says that... Unfortunately, the, the studies that apparently show differently have not fully ruled out the... Well, some of them have well, ruled out verbal, in fairness, but they haven't ruled out non-verbal, situational, contextual suggestion, which is the trigger to placebo anyway. Yes, but I'm not... So the I'm, study I, itself I is I, fundamentally I worthless. I'm just trying to understand why this is so important for you, because we both agree that if it works, it works. Placebo is a part of everything. Science isn't exact. You can never prove a negative. A scientific study showing that placebo is part doesn't prove that it's the only part. You cannot prove it's the only part until you examine every part with methods that don't even exist yet. You couldn't prove bacteria 100 years ago or 200 because you didn't have the microscope. You can't be sitting there saying there's absolutely, uh, there's absolute proof that this is the only thing. You can say, I believe it's the only thing, and this is my hypothesis. This is how I back it up, and these are the studies that correlate with it, and that would be fine. That would still be science. But when you start claiming absolutes, you're walking into religion, and that's fine with me. Everybody can be religion. We have, you know, freedom of speech and thought and religion and faith, and that's cool. But I don't really see where where it's helpful for the person watching this or for me or for you. Believe you, me, you know, nothing to do with religion. God does not exist except in your own mind, the same way as hypnosis doesn't. Yeah, um, and, if, and where do you live? Where is the world in your mind? It's in your mind. The whole world is in your mm -hmm. mind. I mean, the whole world is a placebo in your head. And so it doesn't matter if it exists or not. So, I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, I, I, I get a little bit, I don't know, curious about when people need, I'm not saying you now, but when, when people need to prove that this is or isn't that or that, everybody agrees it works, but let's prove if it's this or that. I don't, I don't see the need for that. 
Uh, we we know people who tes you know testified. Why. But just let me finish the mm. sentence. We have people who have testified that it saved their lives. That oh, they, sure. they, yeah. they yeah. would they would have you know committed suicide unless they had done that. We have done it. Um, we have done it blindly with people who cannot see. We've done it with people who speak different languages. We've done it with people who don't believe in it. We've had people come to trainings and say, that looks stupid. I'm going to do it because you're giving me a meal. But I think it looks really stupid. And this is in Rwanda, post-genocide, orphans of the genocide. They come back the next day and they say, it still looks stupid. But tonight I slept for the first time in 16 years without the soldiers coming in my dreams. Now, that's a pretty amazing placebo of a person who doesn't believe it, doesn't like it, defies it, and does it only for the meal. And then has the courage to come back the day after. Yes, it is. That. It is an amazing placebo. but it's. But well, you... what is not placebo then? I mean, with, with your explanation model, everything is placebo. And then then why do we need to prove it? Everything is placebo. That's precisely oh. the point. Okay. But and why do we need to prove it? Because if more therapists actually understood that fully and accepted it, then they would actually not get caught into the ridiculous trap of becoming course junkies, going on course after course after course learning technique after technique after technique, thinking they're going to find the holy grail that will work 100% of the time with 100% of the clients, which is what so many people I, I agree. I agree completely, but I don't, I don't agree that nobody should take any courses. I don't agree that people know when they've taken the course. I don't think it has to do with the course in itself at all. It has to do with what you actually learn and how you apply it. And if people have become course donkeys, like you say, I think it's because they're not applying what they actually learned. Uh, we have people. Well, the problem have... is a lot of them do apply what they learn, but they've been taught that the reason why X Y Z works is because you've got to tap in this algorithm for this problem. You've got to tap in rather than being taught it doesn't really matter. Deliver That's it how with we teach it. And That's how we teach it. It doesn't really. Well, actually, seen... you are in literally then the five percent in the world. Excellent, tremendous. Happy to be you. there because I agree completely. We say in our trainings, if you forget the actual order we're tapping these points, it doesn't matter. We don't say any algorithm for Excellent. any specific thing. That's the whole idea of the trauma tapping technique that makes it different from EFT and TFT. We have no algorithms. It doesn't matter the order. It's not about the points. You can mix it up with havening or breathing or dancing or hit yourself with a banana. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the 10-minute window of depotentiation and the five minutes of distraction and sending something that's rhythmical and that actually interacts with the brain and the nervous system and calms down the nervous system enough for those things to be checked off, regardless of reason, from the list of your security system saying, mm -hmm. I need to react with fight and flight on this. So I, I completely agree with all of that. And that's how we train it. Ladies and gentlemen, watching, listening to this, rewind and listen to that again. Because it, 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 that is pure and utter gold. And I will say for the record again, that's off. Without a doubt, based on my research, you, that the fact that you will be honest enough to state what you have just stated, but you head and shoulders above at least 95% of the people out there training so-called tapping techniques who would tell you you've got to use a certain rhythm, uh, you know, certain spots for a certain issue, certain spot, when... Absolutely not. Total respect to you. Um, 
let's move on because I don't know. We, we got there in the end. That's kind of uh, where yeah, I was kind but of. But I'm, I'm happy with this. And I, I like where you're coming from. And I like to be, have a chance to discuss it because I think this mm. is important. I get really, I get really irritated when when people use the wrong arguments for the right stuff, right? So when people say there's this point that's important, it's like, yeah, but we get the same results without that point. And, and we are, we're, we're having people doing this who don't have any arms because they're chopped off, right? I'm being completely frank here. Okay. So you, you can do it without fingers. Yeah, you can do tapping you know, in many different ways because it's not about the fingers. It's not about the points. It's not about the exactness. It's a process of... And you could do it with a chemical if you have a chemical that will calm the body down without turning other things off in the brain and memory consolidation. You could do it with a chemical compound as well. It's all about triggering and activating the schema, the neural network that reacts on something, calming it down and having it checked off the list. And then you've depotentiated, trauma is gone and it won't come back. And you can do it with song and dance or with just, you know, perfume if you want. But it has to have the effect that the person is calm. Some people can do that just by being calm themselves, being in trance, being secure, providing a safe space. So you don't even need the method if you can transmit that to a person when they're triggered. But the advantage that seems to be with tapping and having the way we teach it and use it is that it's a very simple way to administer something to another person, not talk through their head and brain eating speech, but mindfulness, for example, in meditation requires an effort in the brain of the person of the beneficiary. But you can tap on somebody and these are safe points. They're not sexual. They're not intimidating. They're not caressing. You can do the tapping from one person to another and you're actually getting the same effect as if they were meditating or or going into trance or something, but without the need for language. So it's administered mindfulness or calming down or regulation or just call it grounding technique that is easy to do. Havening works slightly better on panic attacks than tapping because the tapping is a little bit too much. Uh, and that's havening on the shoulders, definitely not on the face, definitely not on the palms of the hands because when you're in panic, you're sweaty and you're crying and it just becomes too intimate. But just specifically that is where we find that the havening really has an advantage over the tapping for panic attacks. Otherwise, it's just follow the protocol and know no more. And even though you're not a doctor or a therapist or anything, you will actually help people to calm down panic attacks, anxiety, cravings, suicidal thoughts. And that's wonderful. Now, if if I could construct much, 20 more ways. How uh, much that, that, of that law would you say is down to, uh, I interviewed recently Dr. Steve Beerman, author of uh, Beyond uh, Healing, Beyond Pills and Portions. Which okay, is, not, he, he's not, a medical doctor, surgeon, and he uses what we label as hypnosis to do bloodless and painless surgeries and to help people heal um and stuff that the, the interviews on hypnosisweek.com and he okay. says that the placebo is 99.9 percent .9%, he agrees with me basically but that something more important than the placebo with although the paradox is it's the key to triggering the placebo as well is to be the i would call it to be the authority figure and to have that total faith and conviction to transmit to the client is going to work he for those people who don't like the idea of authoritarian approaches terms it as being being the least uncertain person in the room so that the person that your intention is to help 
picks up on that non-verbally as well, verbally, yeah. non-verbally on all levels and therefore has faith in it working. I think that's really interesting. Uh, my take would be, I'm not a fan of authoritarian. I hate authorities myself. So I react badly to them. So for me, it would be to be the most safe person in the room. And I guess that lines up with what you're saying because no, rule number Dr. one- Dr. Of, said, yeah. yeah. Yeah, rule number one of any therapeutic intervention, regardless of what, is the first thing is, create a safe space. Now, people talk about therapeutic alliance as if that's the holy grail and it takes you several moments to create it or you're doing rapport or sinking and leading and blah, 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 mirroring. I say, be authentic, be there, have a true intention to help somebody, convey that non-verbally. It doesn't take words to convey that. Showing your eyes and your smile that you actually care and you're going to try something. You can't guarantee any results because nobody can. That would be silly. Mm -hmm. But if they want to... Uh, if they're willing to receive whatever you have to offer them, you're willing to give it. And once you do that, that will, as you as you say, and, and for me, you know, in my head, I'm, I just have to say this. Uh, I see there's a number of things that lead to Rome, right? A number of roads. So let's say there are these five things that lead to a state of healing. One of them is a safe space. One of them is placebo. One of them is neurobiology. One of them is, you know, other things. I'm saying there's there's plenty of factors involved. I would definitely say placebo is one. I would definitely say safe space uh, and conveying that is one. And then some kind of intervention, whatever that is, interchangeable. I don't care. Uh, but I found some that I can teach to people in very short time and that they can use and that proves results. Tons and then you get this. Tons of them in here. Yeah. Pack your existence. That's the book. And and I I'll, I'll be with you on the barricades, you know, burning bras and and having you know stakes and 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 everything to say that people need to get their head out of thinking that science, just because it proves some things, doesn't mean everything is proven. Just because it proves one thing doesn't disprove another. So you can actually chuck a lot of science out of the window. It's there to tell you what goes for the mass of people in the bell curve, but on the outliers. That's completely wrong. Peanuts will make, you know, a thousand people happy and it'll kill two. So you can't just say that this is the science and therefore I do this or that or this is this. You, all you can say is humbly, some things seem to work very well here. And, you know, regardless of why, and I believe this or that and you can believe this or that, but regardless of why, creating a safe space, enhancing safety, calming the nervous system down, because these techniques, the body techniques, they actually work. And there are studies on that too. They work on dogs and horses. And dogs and horses, you might argue, have a placebo in their connection to humans or whatever. But it does work on mammals. So it's definitely not an intellectual or faith-based thing, right? So ha having said that, yeah, definitely. Safe space and for me, not authority. Now, there is definitely certain things uh, in Unpack Your Existence that there is massive 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 amounts of um studies and evidence um for and what i'm thinking of in particular is something that the vast majority of people and not just therapists don't pay enough attention to and that is breathing yeah same um, thing there could you tell us a bit because there's a lot of different breathing breathing techniques yeah things, uh, which are, are worth a weight in gold yeah. I, would you say that a breathing technique actually triggers placebo as well in your world of everything is placebo? 
if 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 we are saying uh, well, as I do, because you've got to be operating from the same sort of model, I suppose, uh, that placebo involves an alteration on people's beliefs. So placebo alters their belief, or the two tie in, which gives the end result, the the, the response, because the response is different to the trigger or the effect. Um, then yeah, breathing definitely is intertwined at the very least with it. If you're breathing short of breath uh, uh, and breathing really too fast abnormally, it is likely that, that if you weren't already feeling panicky, is going to make you feel panicky. You're breathing deeply and regularly. What if you hold your breath for long enough? Is it placebo that you're not getting air or is it something else? Well, of course you're not getting air at that point. I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm just saying yeah. that there's, there is, there's like Alan Watts would say, you know, there's always this dividing point where things shift from one to another, from the body thing is, to life body. is a placebo. There's nothing you can do in life that is not to some degree, whether consciously or not consciously, um, affected by what your current beliefs and expectations are and what environment or what suggestions you are getting verbally, non-verbally, contextually, environmentally, where you are at that moment in time. It's impossible to remove those from the equation. Yeah, but it's like gin and tonic, isn't it? You know, sometimes they're really weak and there's very little gin and sometimes mm -hmm. there's a lot. So I, I would argue that, yeah, sure, absolutely. It's it's part of everything. And for a plant looking for a window or trying to get water, it would be a small part. And for a person interacting verbally and non-verbally, it would be a big part. And for somebody not understanding the language, it would be, you know, what they're reading into it, um, if they actually do read into it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a part of everything, but is it But is it everything? I mean, that's, that's the jump for me, the logical jump from... Uh, it's a part of everything too. It is everything. Well, I, we know I, I, I can't make thing, that joke. We? we can definitely agree on this. If you stop breathing, you've got problems. Yeah. And yeah. if you breathe in different ways, you get different physical effects that are notable and measurable mm -hmm. in the body, regardless if your mind is a part of them or not. Uh, so if you do oxygenation in different ways, it either calms you down, brings you back into the zone, or actually makes you sleepy. So there's one breathing technique for getting control of your nervous system, which is just breathing in and out. And when your heart rate variability is out of phase with your breathing, then your heart is pumping blood into your body, but the oxygenation is not happening when the pumping is happening. So you're getting low oxygenation and high pulse. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Just getting back into rhythm gets you out of going into panic or getting muscle uh, fatigue, right? Because you're getting enough oxygenation to your muscles. Then if you need to just get into control a little bit more, and not be too stressed, then you need to activate your parasympathetic, which means you breathe out or hold your breath more than you breathe in. So box breathing will do that. It's only one side of the box you're breathing in being some sympathetic nervous system and three sides uh, holding your breath or breathing out, activating parasympathetic. So regardless of what part placebo may or may not have in that, it actually cools you down and pulls you back into the zone, which is measurable as well if you're doing you know, these measures of heart rate variability. That's how you optimize that. And then if you have wake up at night and you want to go back to sleep or you really want to calm down and be really, really cool, then you change 
uh, and this is Dr. Weil who did some research on, you do it, breathe in on four, hold your breath on seven, breathe out on eight. Now it's not, if you ask me, do I believe it's 7.5 or 7.0, how important is that? I don't know. But more or less that change in the difference between the breathing in and out makes people able to fall asleep really fast. And that's been uh, that's been studied a lot. And I try it. I use it a lot. I use it for my clients as well. It's fantastic. So I recommend looking at all of those. And then there's the pranayama breathing and yoga breathing and fire breathing and Wim Hof breathing. Which and... there are numerous different references to in Unpack Your Existence, um, which is one of the many reasons I said right at the beginning, the short version is just get yourself to bloodyamazon.com, which is dead easy. The link will be above or below this video, depending on where you see it, or above or below the speaker symbol on um, Apple and all the other podcast channels. So you just be able to click on it, add to basket, and uh, get a copy with you if you've got Amazon Prime tomorrow morning. And, start yeah, and if you're on Audible or, or on Storytel or one of those, it's all there uh, also so you can listen to it and have the uh, hypnotic experience if you just want to listen to it as an audiobook. Oh, all hypnosis, all is, everything is there. So I'm going to have to go because I have a client knocking on the door. But I must say, I think we did a nice circle because I, yes. I like I like the questions. I like the questioning of all these dead sure people claiming claims to all these techniques that we cannot prove. But we can know that they work and that the mechanisms... And that's all that matters. And the mechanisms all involve placebo. The only pl place where you and I need to have a cup of tea or a beer or something is to discuss whether there is placebo in everything or whether everything is placebo. Now, somewhere Alan Watts will say uh, on the edge between those two outliers, we'll find a bell curve and we'll just enjoy a happy chat again. Sounds like an excuse for a beer next time I'm, I actually get across to Sweden. I've not been there You're since just before the pandemic when I was filming at the TV studio. Thank you you're so welcome. much. Look, guys and girls, it's on screen, but if you're on the audio and you're just hearing it, it's called Unpack Your Existence, a hypnotic exploration. The links will be above or below this, and also will be the links to these gentlemen's websites. Please do check them out. Go and grab yourself a copy of the book. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for your time. And thank, thank you. you. And thanks for doing this. And thanks for spreading information. That is something I say, kudos, big points. And thanks for questioning stuff. Excellent. The more people question, the the less certainty we have in this world. And that will make it humbler. And everyone's allowed to disagree with me as well. I'm not saying you have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I love it. Thanks, Jonathan. Really good. Cheers. Cool, man. Take care.